that's it for now. You can put your bulletin aside. We'll be in Hebrews chapter 10. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, as we look into your word, we pray your blessing on us. That you'll speak. Uh, I understand what's uh, what's before us today. Um, some tough sledding. Some things are very obvious. And we're glad it's all here. Come what may, Lord. Uh, Spirit of God, lead, guide, and direct in a way that glorifies you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 10. Let's just jump right in. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year, continually make the come as thereunto perfect. We talked about this. It's a shadow. And I suggested, you, you guys, you never hug your wife's shadow. You'd like to hug your wife. Well, that's, that's, the, that's the point of it. That's the gist of it. It's a shadow. It's not the reality. Jesus Christ is the substance that casts that shadow. The, the, the shadow could never take away <clears throat> sins. And, and let's keep reading, because I think it's gonna, he's going to explain it better than I can by a lot. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? If it worked, if Yom Kippur worked the Day of Atonement, why'd they have it the next year and the next year? And the next year. So forget all that. You, so you sin, you commit adultery, or you steal something. You take a lamb to the temple, and they kill it, and all your sins go away, right? Well, how come you have to, next time you sin, bring another lamb? That's the, what He's saying this. That, this is my argument. This is the writer of the book of Hebrews. But then, would they not have cease to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there are remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. But we had to know that. The wages of sin is death. And we know that. So what, what happens? A sacrifice, an animal has to die. Or you do. But how many goats is are you worth? <laughs> all the goats, all the blood of all the goats who ever lived don't even pay for one sin of yours. You're an eternal being. Goats aren't. Bulls aren't. Lambs aren't. And that's the problem. Uh, and it doesn't really take away anything, does it? It was a shadow. I, you know, people always ask, you know, why, what's this whole Old Testament sacrificial system for? Listen, sit up and pay attention. The writer here is explaining what it's all about. It's a picture. It's a shadow. It's a type. It's a, it's not the real deal. But in those sacrifices, the remembrance again made of sin every year. Think about that. For it's not possible the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world... Now, stop. He doesn't tell us who he that comes into the world is. Who is it? I heard somebody, this is the interactive, I'm asking a question, you can go ahead and speak, it won't, it won't be bad. Jesus, of course it is. Who else came into the world? I mean, we. you say, well, I came into the world. Nah, not like pre-existence, not like from heaven. And then all that, you, you, you're eternal being, eternally in the past you were, and suddenly it was your turn to be born and you came, no. Two of Jesus. Jesus eternally, God eternally. And I think some Christians are kind of a little fuzzy-brained on this. 
He didn't, Jesus didn't start in Bethlehem or even nine months early when Gabriel came to Mary. Jesus is eternal. He entered into the world. What did he say when he came into the world? He saith, as they Jesus said, and who's he saying it to? He's saying to Father God, sacrifice and offering thou wouldst not, but a body hast thou prepared for me. Hey, wouldst not means you didn't want. Does God love blood? I love to see. Man, you go in that, you sacrifice that goat, you sacrifice that lamb, you pull the head off the bird. I love that, God says. Huh, he wouldn't. He doesn't. Jesus said about him, when, when, when Jesus came into the world, he said about God, sacrifice, not, you, don't, you don't like that. Now, there are parts of it that he likes. He likes the faith of the worshiper who comes to the priest and says, I messed up. That gives God glory. He loves the heart of the worshiper. Is God drunk on animal blood? Here's the thing. Well, why did he do that? I'm trying to explain. It, it points a picture to Jesus Christ, the real. Those things were a shadow. Could they work? They never could. How could the, goat of, the blood of bulls and goats take away your sin? And if it did... Why are we doing it the next year, and the next year, and the next year? It's a really good point. I don't know if I can argue it. Uh, he, he came in the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering, thou wouldst not, but a body hast thou prepared me. What kind of body? The body that's going to cast a shadow that, that these... Remember, we're talking to Hebrews. They're thinking about going back to the old way of life. They're going to turn away from all they know. They're going to say, ah, you know, uh, it, it, the pressure's too much to maintain Christianity. Uh, my parents are giving me a hard time. And they're saying, we get the temple, we get the priesthood, we get the law, we get the offerings. And he's saying, you can't go back to that. That's not the reality. That's the shadow. And he's making his point. And burnt offerings and sacrifice of sin, thou hast had no pleasure. I want you to understand something about God. He's not like, ah, great, sacrifice. I can't wait. This is so good. You know, they had this thing where they had a fellowship offering. We talked about this in our Levitical study. So the worshiper would take a lamb, and part of it would go to the priest. Part of it would go be consumed by the priest. Part of it would be consumed by the worshiper, and part of it would be offered to God. It would be burnt up, and it would be like consumed by God. It was a fellowship between the worshiper, the priest, and God. Did God really get a portion of it, and God really say, yum, I love lamb? Not really. I mean, things burnt up. The, the symbolism, okay, Lord, this is yours. You think God loves lamb chops? I love lamb chops. God, I don't think so. Not so much. You know, I, I love, uh, I, I always talk about the genius of God. You think about a cow or a bull or something like that. God put an animal all together. He, he built it out of steaks. What a genius God he is. You think God loves steak? He, he's not like, oh, great, this is great. I'm going to get an offering. Look at what Jesus is saying. In burnt offerings and sacrifice of sin, thou hast had no pleasure. I want to make a picture. I want to show you something God says. What do, you, what do you show us? So we drag this innocent little lamb, spotless, to the priest. Who kills it? We, we have our hands on its head, identification with. This should be me, but the fact is I don't want to die, so I, have to, I had to find an innocent, innocent substitute. And so that as the blood drains from that animal, it's blood as you cut its throat and it's squirting all over the place, and there's a guy trying to catch the blood in a bowl, what impact would that have on you? You would think sin is awful. I, I think this is horrible. And that's the point. 
And the point is, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And it's making the way, paving, in our thinking, the offering for all time, the one and only. And he's going to say that. Then said I, Jesus still talking, verse 7, Lo, I come in the volume of book, is written of me to do thy will, O God. What is his will? Well, you've prepared a body for me. Sacrifice. Because this whole thing's talking about sacrifice. In the volume book is written to me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldst not, neither had pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. So the arguments come back to the temple. Come back. We have an offering for sin. What do you got? We got the offering for sin, according to the writer here. He took away the first. Why are you going back to the temple? That's done away with. He took away the first, first that he may establish the second. By the way, is the temple offering at this time that this 10th chapter was written? Yes, and I'll show you why if I get to it. Uh, so offering's still going on, but listen, for, in a couple of years, that temple's going to be sacked, and it's going to be level. It's going to be laid right to the ground. God's saying, hey, you hear me now? I'm done with that. Jesus came. What? He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. What first? The first way of doing things, the first covenant, the old covenant, the Old Testament, as you would say, as we would say, that he may establish the second. And why is that important? Because it, it supersedes the first. Listen, I like that. I, I'm afraid. Uh, I'm not a high priest. I am a priest, but so are you. And so you have to come and bring a, a lamb or a goat or a bull or an ox or something, or we have to slaughter it. Every, I like the second one better. I'm sorry. I, I don't, that first situation, I understand. I understand what it's all about. Can you imagine being a priest, making your livelihood, slaughtering animals all day? And the blood and the, and the smell and the... And then after a while... Would you be hardened to it? Because I think, like, if I had a little baby lamb up here and I slid its throat, I think, one, nobody would ever come back to church here again. And I understand that. But, I mean, think about emotionally what's going on there. Could you get to the point where, like, ah, just another, just another lamb. Just cut stroke, cut stroke, cut stroke. Just another lamb. I mean, hopefully that would never happen. You'd never get to that place. The, the first is gone that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified. You've, you've been made holy. You've been set apart for a holy purpose. By what? By the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's what it's obviously saying. It's referring to nothing else. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. How many times does he have to offer himself to save, to save you from your sins, to sanctify you, to set you apart for a holy purpose? And then, By the way, that's what it means. It doesn't mean anything else. How many times do you have to do that? Just once. Just once. Just once. I love that. I know there are churches that re-examine that every time and they, they we offer the blood all. No. No. Once for all. It says right here, Every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifice. Now there are churches that, that have a priesthood, but it's not, he's not talking about that. He's not making a reference to that. He's talking about the priest. The, the, he, the priests that the Hebrews would know. You say, well, Catholics have priests and Anglicans have priests. And the, the, 
the writer to Hebrews, he's writing first century Christians who would know nothing of that. And he's saying those priests, the priests, the Levitical priests, the priests in the temple, they stand daily and they minister and offer an offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. They can't do it. Isn't that an incredible thing? But they do it all the time. He makes a big deal here about, and later on about standing. There's no, there's temple furniture. You know, you have the ark, you have the, uh, you know, the bronze laver, you have the, the uh, table of showbread, you have the altar, you have all these different things. You know, you don't have, you don't have any chairs. Why? Because priests never sit down. Their work is never done. Now here he's saying it never can be done because they, the, look at what he says. They offer the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. But he said earlier, it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. But this man, who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice of sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Why did he sit down? Priests don't sit down. Because he sat down because his work was finished. Hallelujah, forever. Did he sanctify you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How do you do that? He died for me. Now what's he doing now? Sitting down, relaxing. He's got his feet up. Hey, look. It is finished. It has to mean something. When he says it is finished, it could also be translated paid in full. What's paid in full? My, my atonement, my salvation, your, your salvation. Is he making installments on you, pay, paying little by little? Like you buy a house or a car, he's making payments. No, it's paid in full. It's finished. Is he, is he still working out, trying to save you, trying to rescue you? Not if you've accepted him as Savior. Every priest stands. This man, he offered one sacrifice. How many? Just one. Just one. It was enough. And he sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies been made his footstool. We're going to talk about his enemies here. We're going to talk about a fearful thing, not getting in line with God's program here. Uh, this is what, what we're looking at. It, I didn't write it, okay? So if anyone's upset with me, you take it up with the author. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Do you, that, you guys drinking decaf or... He hath, listen, listen, he hath, by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Oh, he's still working at it. He's still, you gotta, you gotta try harder. You gotta, he's done it. He's done it. This is, this is incredible. Do you realize what he's done with, uh, with uh, in saving us? That one forever action, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, for after that he has said before, this is a covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law into their hearts and in their minds will I write them. This is what he's done for us. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. We visited here last week. Look, can any priest ever say that? Any Levitical guy ever say, you're done with your sins forever. God doesn't even remember any, anymore. I say if he says that, I, I say this, this is what is ours in salvation. I think a lot of, and Christians are fuzzy on this. I, I mean, whole congregations, whole churches, whole denominations are very fuzzy on this. They think it's stand before God, and he's got this big long list, and you did this, and you did, oh, you're in trouble now, and you did this, and you did this. And you have to do 
more good things than bad things. What are, what are you talking? What verse are you looking at? The Bible knows nothing about that. He hath perfected those forever that are his. One payment. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Hallelujah. I'm going to make this covenant with them after those days. I'm going to put my law in their hearts and their minds while I write them. Their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. Praise his holy name. I remember them, much to my ever, much to my shame. I wish I had a delete button on my brain and everything shameful I ever did I could just press and it would just be gone. God does. See, doddering. Is God like getting real old? What's your name now? I can't remember. It's, uh, I used to know. God just can't... Re no, he... That's blasphemy if you think it, it's all the way through. He chooses to not remember. That's vastly different. Now, I hear people say, oh, I can't forgive because I can't forget. You're dumb. <laughs> you're dumb. Thanks for coming here, and I just called you a dummy. No, you're... It, it, uh, where's, where's that verse? I'm forgiving despite my memory. When somebody has stabbed me in the back, it's kind of hard to forget. Have people stab me in the back? You walk and breathe and live in this world. People, friends, family, people you never thought would, and they, they do wrong to you all the time. Can you forget it? Good luck if you can. I'm just forgiven whether I forget or not. God, he just says, I'm not remembering that anymore. Me, I'm just choosing to act to you as if it never happened. I wish I could forget everything I've ever known bad about everyone who's done, done me wrong. I wish I could just... God can and does. I think that's magnificent. I don't think he has a long list of... Uh, and What are we going to do with that list? Are you going to answer like why, what mitigating circumstances you had to sin? You're ridiculous. No, you won't. I'm a sinner because I sin. He's not asking because he already knows the answer. And the answer to why I'm standing justified before God is your son paid the penalty for all my sins. It says it here. It says it. you can't miss it. I'm going to make this covenant. I'm going to, I'm going to put my law in their hearts. I'm going to write in their minds. Their sins and iniquities I'll remember no more. Now, where remission of, those, of these is, there is no more offering of sin. Why you come and why you keep offering? It's all done. This is what he's saying here. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Now, this is we've already visited here in the book of Hebrews. Here he says it boldlier than he said it in the past. Brethren, you have boldness to enter into the holiest. What's the holiest? The holy of holies. Remember? He's saying the high priest could only go in there once a year. You remember he had the bells. He had the rope tied around his leg. Why? Because if he did anything wrong, he was like irreligious or whatever. He'd tip right over and you'd have to reel him out by that rope. We live there. That place where only the high priest would go once a year. We're bolder than butter. We can go right into the presence of God all the time. Why? That's what Jesus provided for us. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holy place, the holiest of holies, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Do you remember when he died, the veil of the temple was torn, not from bottom to top, that would be man kind of thing. It was torn from top to bottom. What's God saying? Hey, come on in. 
Come on in. You call, come into my presence. It's been his, his death sealed that once and for all. God saying, rip, tear. There's nothing holding you out there anymore. Listen, have you thought all the way through this salvation that's been offered to you? I hope you have. Don't, don't sneeze at it. Don't willfully turn away. He's going to talk about that. Okay, he's consecrated uh, unto us a place in the holiest holy by, by a new wing, a living way. That's to say his veil. That's to say, I mean, to the veil. The veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. That's to say his flesh. And having an high priest over the house of God, who's that? It's Jesus Christ. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an even conscience, evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. He is faithful that he's promised. Hey, you guys, you've got to come back. You don't have the temple. You don't have the priesthood. You don't have sacrifices. What are you talking about? You don't have any of that. We have the real deal. You have a shadow. He's, he's provided a way for us in the Holy of Holies. You ever been in the Holy of Holies? I live there. He, he's making a, uh, an argument here. And it's, it's, it's an incredible argument. We, let's draw near with what? True heart, a full assurance of faith. God turn you away when you come to him? Like, no, never. Never. You can be fully assured of that. Well, Adam, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what Jesus has done to secure your eternity. Well, don't turn back now, Hebrews. Let's hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Why? He's faithful who promised. God doesn't lie. You think he's just holding us up pie in the sky, just, you know, we're going to like reach for salvation. He says, ah, pull the rug out from us. Ah, faked you out. No. He, he, he is faithful to promise. And let us consider one another to provoke on love and the good works. He's talking about love of God. Now he's talking about love for one another. Why? Because they always go hand in hand. Have you considered this? Because I consider myself very often. I don't consider everybody else. Have you considered this? Because he's saying, let us consider one another. People are turning away. He said to the Hebrews, don't you turn away. He's, he's talking about loving one another. Let us provoke one another to love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see that day approaching. The assembling of ourselves. It's not the gathering of ourselves. I'm trying to illustrate this. So you buy your kid Legos for Christmas, and you got one of those things that's like 72 pages of how to put it together so it makes a little Battlestar Galactica model of whatever, right? Tab A, slot B, you know. And all that stuff, right? You can take that whole thing of Legos and pour it out on the floor. They're gathered, but they're not assembled. I don't think we understand this at all. In 21st century America, and listen, you're here. Every time I say this, I'm always saying stuff to the people who are here. That's the problem. I mean, think about if your right arm showed up once a week. <laughs> I need that, as such as it is. I still need it, right? I, I I can't be without that all all week long. Is my person being 
assembled. And listen, doesn't it say every every joint and every ligament supplies? And I don't think we've figured that out. We think we're like, it's very optional, but I don't think we've thought this through. I don't think we've considered one another to provoke unto love and the good works. After the service, I see people, you know, hugging and ha- hanging out and praying and talking. And that's your ministry time. And some of you know that. And I just try to get you out quickly. Get out of here. I got to close up and I'll leave. You can lock it when you're done. And I think some of you understand that. Here's my, here's my opportunity to, to love, to provoke one another, to, to good works. and to. Some of you have considered this. Most of us, and, and I'm not trying to blame. I'm really not. Like, you know how I am. I'm not, I'm not like, you know, wagging my finger in your face. Look at how horrible you are. I don't, I don't like doing that. I don't like it when people do it to me. But I don't think, you know, if we just look at it, I don't think the church in America understands this very much at all. We're not provoking one another love and the good works. We're forsaking the assembling of ourselves together very often. But exhorting one another, uh, that's encouraging. It should be, and that's what I always want to be. I want to be an encouragement. I want to be a look at you, look at what you've done, tisk tisk tisk. I mean, I can find fault like anyone can. This church is I have a steady diatribe of that. To go to churches get beaten up. I'm glad you're here. You could be a lot of places. You've chose to be here. Praise God. Good selection. Hope God blesses you. And I don't want to, you know, like I say, but I want to exhort. I want to build up. I want to encourage. Why? So much more as you see that day approaching. What day? Jesus is going to come back. He's going to put an end to all this. We'll be gathered together. We'll be, we'll be, we'll be assembled at that point when he comes together, but we're in the interim. Now's the only time to have a chance to, you know, get rewards and to work at our salvation with fear and trembling. Earn it? No. Work it out. Get on with it. Do the things we know God wants us to do. This is my only opportunity. This is our only opportunity. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. Now, we're going to get into a section here. It's one of the five warnings that he gives. And it, he uses really strong language. It's, not, it's nothing to just, well, I just haven't believed in Jesus. So what? Oh, that's a big so what, says the writer here. If we sin willfully after we receive the knowledge, so we have the knowledge of the truth. Is it, a, is it, is it salvation? No, you have to determine that. We see people all the time who used to walk with us and now they don't. And I say us as the church, not just, just church. I mean Christianity. Does anyone ever know anyone who looks like they were saved at one time and now it looks like they're, they're not saved? Does anyone know anyone like that? We all know somebody like that, of course. I mean, it's, 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 it's they received the knowledge of truth, but now they're sinning willfully. What is he saying about that? There remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. If you turn away from Jesus, what do you got? That's the point. But this is what they have. A certain fearful looking for a judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. Wait a second. What do you mean? I, I mean this, and the writer means this. God's a righteous judge. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. You got that guy picking up sticks. And you think picking up sticks on the Sabbath, big deal. I mean, 
who thinks that's a horrible thing. Hey, the judge, there's no, there's no mercy in the law. So they, they put him in custody, and Moses goes to the Lord and says, what do we got to do with this guy? Put him to death. What are, you, what are you waiting for? That's what the law does. Some of you still try to keep the law. You're a murderer. Law <laughs> doesn't do anything perfectly except perfectly tells us we're sinners. Is it good? It's good. The problem is us. We can't keep it. Look, he that despised, he disregarded is the idea of Moses' law. He died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore a punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. You can stand before God. He said, why should I let you into heaven? I asked the guy this. He said, I'm a good guy. I didn't know at the time that he had molested two of his daughters. I would have pointed out, maybe you're not as good as you think you are, which is what I did say. Actually, I said, you're a good guy. Maybe you're not as good as you think you are. What if God says you're not as holy as you may think you are? He said, he said and I quote, I'll tell him he's a liar. Um, you might want to have a plan B here. So we're standing before God. He says, why should I let you into my heaven? I'm a good guy. I'm not that good. You're a sinner. Uh, have you considered my son? Oh, pfft, I don't care about any of that Jesus stuff. You really want to say that? He watched his son tortured to death on our behalf, and you want to say, pfft, nothing to me. What? Who cares? Guy a couple thousand years ago died. What's that got to do with me? nothing think about that statement eternally go to the other place this is what's saying here look i'm not a guy hellfire and brimstone you know that i like to keep i can't change the outcome of the bible to make us all happy if you if, if you despise you disregard moses law you die without mercy all you need is two or three witnesses how much sore punishment we're talking about than death Suppose ye shall be thought worthy, who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified. No, no, I don't care about that. Stop. Jesus died for me. Big whoop. Really? You might want to rethink that. That's what we're looking at here. And he hath this done despite under the Spirit of grace. So we have the Spirit of God, the Spirit of grace, wooing us, calling us to himself. I don't care. I want my sin. <sighs> At what price? I want my autonomy. I want to be the captain of my own ship and pilot it right to hell. This is, listen, I can't change this. Now, you can say in your mind, this is someone who was Christian and then turned away. You can say in your mind, this is someone who looked like they came, never really did, or make it whoever you wanted to make it. I will tell you this, it's not talking about me. Have you made that determination? I'm not, I'm not despising the, the blood of Jesus Christ. I count what God did for me like every day of my life. You died for me. You, you, your love is ridiculous. Do you understand how worthless I am and how good you are? You, you sent Jesus to die for me? That's, 
What can I do with that? Oh, I, I don't care. Pfft, who cares? Really? You really want to stand before God with that? Uh, of how much sore punishment? This is what be, we're being talked about here. If we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I'll recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. Well, I don't believe God sends people to hell. Well, you're biblically illiterate. The guy who talks about hell more than anyone in Scripture is Jesus Christ. He warned it's a horrible place. No, uh, there is a hell. And vengeance belongs to me. So he's a loving father and he's a righteous judge. All rolled up into one. If you had a good dad, and I know some of you guys had psycho dad. We've talked. I know. I know. If you had a good dad, you understand someone who's righteous, and someone who's to be feared. That's God. That's our Father. He's righteous. And don't, don't play like, oh, I don't believe there's any hell. You'll find out soon enough, he says, vengeance belongeth unto me. I'll repay. And by the way, this is why we turn the other cheek. You know, we were looking at Sermon on the Mount a couple weeks ago. If man smite you on your right cheek, turn it off from the other also. Don't repay evil for evil. Why? You remember it says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. We think, oh, that's horrible. No, it's not. It's mercy. It's what God's saying. You know, somebody knocks a tooth out. Don't knock every tooth out of his head. Don't make it. The, the penalty has to fit the crime. God said that, okay? He's a righteous judge. He's a, he's a loving heavenly father. He's a righteous judge, too. And he put a mechanism in place for us to, for we can be saved, the blood of Jesus Christ. I accept Jesus as my Savior. He saves me. I'm in his forever family. Thank you, Jesus. Or I say, blood schmud. Who cares? Whatever. And I stand there before God with my bare face hanging out in all my unrighteousness and try to con him into why I should go to heaven. Should I pay the penalty of sins? Yeah, but I thought I did more good than bad. He's like, wages of sin is death. I'm losing this argument. <sighs> vengeance belongs. And side, so I said, I meant to say this. Vengeance is ours. That's why we turn the other cheek. Vengeance isn't bad. It's just not ours. God said, I'll take care of it. Some people attack me, and I think, oh, God loves me. I don't know if I'd. I forgive them because I don't want to see anyone go to hell. I really do. Lord, just don't even hold that to their account. Does he? I don't know. He's a righteous judge. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That doesn't say that in the Bible. Yeah, it's right there in verse 31. It's terrifying. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Well, God is love. By the way, 1 John chapter 4 says God is love. And he loves his son. And he'll love you. Conditionally, Receive the Son. I'm just going to stand there and say, I don't care about His blood. Ooh, that's a fearful thing. That's a fearful thing. He's talking to these Hebrews. They're turning away. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't you do it. You're going to stand before God. Yeah, I know. I did that religion thing. Well, I tried that, and I went back to my old way of living. Don't you do it. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. For me, not at all. I don't think I'll fall into his hands. I think I'll fall into his arms. 
I think it was a, a warm embrace for those who have trusted Jesus. Standing before him outside of the blood of Jesus Christ, outside of that covenant. That's fearful. So, and by the way, I, 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 I don't want to soft sell this. I don't want to oversell. I just want to tell you how, because it was, okay, I was, I was 20 years old and I was a Marine. And I, friends said, the wages of sin is death. Like, yeah. There's none righteous, no, not one I'm thinking. Yeah. The wages of sin is death. What does that mean? Hell eternally. Yeah. You can stand for God and you tell him I'm a good guy. You know it ain't true. And I'm like, yeah. This doesn't resonate with anybody. It doesn't make perfect perfect sense. I'm going to be righteous and I'm going to just be so holy and God's going to say, wow, you're awesome. Come on in. You'll be the first. You should give up that idea. You should just get rid of that idea. And by the way, Jesus says, finished. I've done all that you need. I'll give you my righteousness. I'll take your sin and I'll give you my righteousness. You can stand before God in my righteousness. I'll take your sin. I paid for it. Might as well have it. I, I learned this early on. I got, I got saved, all right? Wait, you're going to take my sin? You're going to give me your righteousness? Even Stephen? Just trade? Okay. <laughs> no takesies back. Best deal. Only in forever. Outside of that, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions. This happened? Happened to the Hebrews. This happened to you? Yeah. Tell me about it. You got saved. How would that go? Oh, man. Like, oh. It was hard. It was really hard. And he's saying, yeah, I know. Partly while you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly while you became companions of them that were so used. Man, it was hard being a Christian. People made it very difficult. You had compassion on me and my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have a, in heaven a better and enduring substance. That's why several people think Paul wrote this, because he's talking about his bonds there. Oh, and by the way, I, was gonna, I said earlier, uh, every priest standeth daily ministering. That means is standing right now. It's present continuous language, the eth there on standeth tells us it's happening right now, continuous present action. So he's saying every priest is standing, not used to stand when the temple was uh, still erect before it was raised. So this is what people give gives rise to the thought that the temple was still there. Now here gives rise to the that Paul is the author. And by the way, I always thought Paul was the author, but I can't really prove it. Does this prove it? I don't know if it proves it, but it Hey, you were, partly while you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly while you were companions of them that were so used. Now, he gives an example of companions of them that were so used, like me, for you had compassion on me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods. By the way, I don't know if that's true of me. <laughs> I mean, if someone comes in and steals my TV, I'll open the door for them, I'll hold the door for them. But most of the stuff I kind of want. That's why we lock the door, you know what I mean? Uh, 
but he's saying, no, people stole your stuff and it was, you took it. You didn't care about stuff like that. How do we not care about stuff like that? Because we understand everything that we is stolen from us is earmarked for destruction. We're only here. It's only temporary. It's only a short time. You've got to think all this all the way through. Now, I don't, I, I, if you go through your home today and you find your house ransacked, that's a total invasion of, uh, it's horrible. People who've had that situation tell us it's just, it's not, Nothing you want to have. But he's like, you know what? You got it all. You figured it all out. You were made a gazing stock. You you suffered reproaches, afflictions, and you became companions of them that were so used. And But you got it. You had compassion on me. You took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and enduring substance. Let's talk about heaven for a second. Where you got stuff there. So what, do you take it with you? No, you send it on ahead. And you know what you got to know about it? It doesn't rust. Nobody go, breaks into heaven and steals your stuff. You have rewards? Oh, yeah. You say, I'm not rewards. I'm not really motivated by rewards. I think in, in Revelation where we take our crowns and we cast them before the Lamb, that motivates me. I don't know about you, but I want to I wanna have something to cast before Him. Stuff now doesn't mean anything. It just doesn't. You know, I don't know. If you wanted something so bad you could almost taste it and you finally got it and you're like, nah. It was disappointing, right? I mean, that's how we find things. They're not, they never live up to the billing. We're built for eternity. He's put eternity in our hearts. And I think like when you get home in heaven, you finally say, ah, home. And the stuff you have is like, oh, this is why, this is what stuff is all about, having stuff. The stuff now, listen, I don't care how much you collect. You're going to give it to your kids and your grandkids when you're gone. You ain't taking it. It's just how it works, right? And we've got to figure that out. So all of it, it's like, I don't have time for Jesus. I have time to amass all my fortune in my... If you thought that all the way through, that's ridiculous. That's how we find people. We're talking about the things of the Lord. I ain't no time for that. The blood of Jesus. Nah, I don't care. Really? You can stand before God with that attitude. Recalibrate. Rethink. By the way, so I'm talking about this thing, and you're the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of Grace is talking to you. Pray with somebody before you leave. Let me tell you how I got saved. Jesus, will you please save me? Words to that effect. I don't know if I can quote that exactly. It was a long time ago. Okay, I was 20. I'm 60 now. You can do the math, right? It was a long time ago. Did he? Oh, yeah. Would he not? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Of course he would. Anyone who comes to me said, no way I'd cast them out. There's no way I'd cast them out. Oh, you don't understand. I've been so sinful. You don't understand. He loves you so much. He paid for all your sin. Okay. <coughs> cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. He's going someplace. He's going to chapter 11. Everyone know chapter 11? Call it the hall of faith. It's the faithful throughout all the ages. It's a faith walk. Don't turn back. It always seems like, we're just talking, um, me and Noah were talking before the service about what do you got to do to the, the, the default button set on flesh? To be sinful, what do you got to do? Nothing. 
What are you going to do to maintain your walk with the Lord? You've got you to work at it. You've got you to get on with it. You've got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Again, I say not earn it. It's a free gift. But do it. Get on with it. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. It has great recompense of reward. For we have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. What do you mean patience? I've got to wait, and I've got to wait, and I've got to wait. No, patience is hoopamony, enduring under stress. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? I got this. I don't have any patience. I, I, just, I don't. I never saw any use for it. See, patience is a virtue, not in my life. It's not. Oh, be able to stand up under stress for a long time? Oh, I got that. Turn up the heat. I don't care. Whatever. I'm not going anywhere. I told the Lord a lot of times. This is, I'm not going anywhere. This uh, Our relationship isn't conditional. I'm just ornery enough to... And people laugh and call me names and you're a rube and you're a Bible thumper and you're... I don't care. None of that stuff matters. I'm not casting away my confidence in God. Uh, he, which hath great recompense of reward. You, you, need a, you, need a, you need a little, you need some spine is what you need. You need a little gumption. You need some stick-to-itiveness. We have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Then Jesus will come back? Oh, any time now. I think if we knew how close we were to the finish line, we'd be an all-out sprint. We wouldn't leave nothing. We'd collapse across the finish line, leave nothing in the tank. I think it's that that some people say, I'm so rapture ready, I don't even buy any green bananas, you know. I I drive around with the top down on my car just in case all the time. I just, you know, he's going to come back. I And I believe it, it's going to happen so soon. Now, the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. And that's what we're all talking about, drawing back. Drawing back, never getting saved or drawing back. I was walking with the Lord for a while, but I, yeah, I thought I'd have to go it the way it used to be, thinking that was better. No, it's a faith walk. You need patience. You need endurance. It's a faith walk. The just shall live by his faith. If any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Now that's written in Romans, okay? The just shall live by faith. And Romans tells us who the just is and what it means to be just. The just shall live by faith. In Galatians chapter 3, it, it has that same phrase, the just shall live by faith, and the emphasis is on life, living it, do it, get on with it. And here, the emphasis is on the faith, and this is introducing chapter 11, the great faith chapter. Uh... And people think, oh, see, we know that Paul wrote Romans. We know Paul wrote Galatians. Therefore, he wrote Hebrews. But it's all in Habakkuk, and we know that Paul didn't write Habakkuk. So it may be that Paul wrote all three of these, and he's thinking in those terms, but not necessarily. Uh, a lot of people use that as proof that Paul wrote this. It doesn't really prove it to me. But again, I always thought Paul wrote it. The just shall live by faith. Let's talk about that faith walk. You're just. This is how you live your life. You can do it by faith. That's important to God. It's, it's, it gives him great pleasure to see your faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. It's all or nothing. 
Now, these ones who are, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing to a close. I won't, be, I won't go over. If we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice to sins. Uh-oh. Because I sinned after I got saved. Now I'm toast. I don't think that's it. If you turn from the Lord and say, I choose sin, and again, you have to make it in your mind. Is that a, a Christian who's gone south, or is that someone who looked like their Christian never really was? I think there's an us this usness to this and a themness to this. And I think it because of verse 39. For we are not of them who draw back unto perdition. I'm not them. I know, I'm us. <laughs> We're us. We're not them. This, there's a them, and they're drawn back. Don't do it, Paul's saying to the, to the Hebrews. Don't you make that selection. And I would say it to all the Christians while I still have you in front of me, say, able to say it. Does it happen? It happens all the time. I, what do you want me, name names? But you know them. We are not of them who draw back under perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of their souls. Now listen, one more point. Stay with me. To them that behave to the saving of their souls. Because this is what religion, and people think this is what religion's all about. I'm not a religious person. I, don't, I wouldn't know religion. I used to be religious, and I was going to hell. I've turned from religion. If you do enough good and you abstain from enough bad, you're in. This verse doesn't say that. It doesn't say if you be be behave, and that saves your soul. It's saying, we don't draw back. We're not those who go into perdition. We're not, we're not of them. We're of them that believe to the saving of the soul. What's necessary to be saved? Believe in Jesus Christ. Accept Him as your Lord and Savior. Period. Paragraph. And this whole chapter says it. Well, I gotta have more. I gotta have no. It was once for all. All your sins are paid for. I don't care about that. Oh, you should. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Let's pray. A lot of uh, hard things to say today. I didn't write it. I want you to understand that. But I don't want to change it up and soft sell it either. Father, we thank you for these words. Hard words, but good words, because you know you're faithful. You, you, we, we read that today, and we found that for as many of us as turned to you, you didn't pull the rug out from under us. You didn't promise something and not deliver. You're good to your word. Your, your, your promises are yea and amen. We get that. And we thank you for this great salvation paid in the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we thank you that you've given us all things pertaining to life and godliness, for so your word says. Now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen. It is our desire to get God's Word out to all, so our podcasts and everything else downloaded from our website is free. But we do have expenses, and if you feel led to give a dollar for this resource, please go ahead and click the Give tab on our website at plowboyministries.org. Grace and peace. And everything I want out dear I count it all